Today is the beginning of daylight savings time, which in churches around the country uh, is the day in which you can show up late and not be judged. (laughs) And mineral, we just call that Sunday. (laughs) Um, So we're really glad you're here. Uh, No matter when you get here. we will we'll be in um, we'll be in John today, John chapter nineteen. If you want to turn your Bibles there, sometimes we get so caught up in this character of Jesus that we forget that he was a human. Uh, the way we uh, speak about Jesus and teach about Jesus, even our media and our um, and our um, movies and our pictures, the images we have that people have painted of Jesus, I think have sometimes messed with our understandings about how this Jesus thing is supposed to work. Even, they just came out with a movie recently called Son of God. Um, it was pretty big in theaters. Uh, I haven't seen it. I read the book and that's just real, a real easy joke. And... I had a, uh, anyway, I'm not knocking it, I'm just, I just wish in one of these movies, Jesus wouldn't be taller than everybody else. He's always taller than everybody. Even, even the way we sing about our songs, um, like, like there's, there's a line in a Christmas carol that says, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now, I don't know if that's bad theology or good theology, but that's bad babyology. That is not, if a, if a cow's mooing, it just doesn't make sense to me. He didn't cry like those other sinning babies would have, those sinful babies. But even, even when we, we say, well, yes, well, Jesus is a human. Of course he was a human, but he was sort of a different human. He was a... He was whiter and had a bluer sash, a trimmed beard, and his head glowed a little. Like, the, the way we project Jesus, we often say, well, that's, that's Jesus, and he was human, but not human in the way I'm human. He was human in the very Jesus-y way. Now, our tendency, when you hear me do what I just did, is to say, hold on a second, is he making fun of Jesus? But I, I, will ne- I won't make fun of Jesus, but I will continually ridicule our preconceived notions about how exactly Jesus was human. He was human, but he sort of floated, right? He walked on this earth, but not like I walk on this earth. And that's a very dangerous path to follow because once we travel down that path, we start to see or start to think that Jesus' humanity and my humanity are two completely different animals. And that asks me, or at least gets me to think two different things. One, that I can never be like him. I will never be able to truly follow Jesus. And two, 
He will never understand me. When children, often teenagers, yell at their parents, you know, if they were to, and say, you don't understand. I don't know why I made y'all's voice crack so bad. It was just funny to me. You don't understand me. The, uh, the feeling is real. Um, the emotion is true. It's not, not saying, well, that's, you know, dumb. It's not. Um, if you're feeling that, you're feeling that. And I, I, I think it's important, maybe probably in a calmer tone, to tell your parents you're feeling that. Um, but... The reality is, the parent often really understands. Like what the teen should be shouting is, you understand this situation better than I do, and you're reacting differently. (laughs) No teenager agrees. That's fine. You'll agree when you have teenagers. Um, But there is a, a shift in our, we will say... Well, Jesus doesn't really understand. He came to earth to be a part of this thing that we call life. And he sacrificed himself. But there's a disconnect between my humanity and Jesus' humanity. And that means I can't be like him. And he really wasn't all that much like me. And I think Satan would love... For you to believe that Jesus just doesn't understand you. And I think Satan would love and evil would love it. If you just believe that it was just a hopeless battle. You just can't follow Jesus. You just can't do it. He was just something different. In John 19, when Jesus is on the cross, he says something that a lot of people point to and they say, see, he's human. But I would argue that what he's doing is actually something better. uh, And we're seeing his humanity live itself out. Uh, Let's read the scripture in John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, later... Knowing that everything had now been finished, or everything had come to completion, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Now our instinct here is to say, oh look, Jesus is thirsty, like I'm thirsty. And we can say that, but we don't really mean it, because there are people in um, sub-Sahara Africa who are thirsty, and I'm sometimes thirsty, but those two thirsts are completely different. I walk to a big black box that keeps my water filtered and cold, and I stick a glass under it, and it fills it until I pull it out. I have poured out clean water before because it sat there a while, and I don't know how much dust particles got in it. People in sub-Saharan Africa don't do that when they're thirsty. When you got to walk 15, 20 miles to the nearest dirty 
pond. You don't, those two thirsts are different. So just pointing at Jesus and saying, oh, he's thirsty, he's like us, doesn't really tell the whole story. But I do think it points to a, the reason that we often feel like our humanity is different than that of Jesus' humanity. That, our, that, that the way we live our lives and the way we exist can, is just nowhere near what Jesus was. Jesus said he was thirsty for two reasons. <coughs> he was thirsty. He wasn't just saying something to say it. He actually was indeed thirsty. The process of a crucifixion could really take its toll on you. Um, especially what they did before the crucifixion. The, um, the lashes that they gave him could really dehydrate a person having to carry your own cross. Um, at least a ways. They eventually got someone else to help or to carry it with him or carry it for him. But the, the, the idea of a crucifixion can, can dehydrate you. So he was indeed thirsty. And, but that's not why he said it. He was probably hungry and tired too. He's probably sad. There's probably a lot of emotions going on in Jesus. A lot of physical, physical needs going on in Jesus that he could have expressed. But he expressed, I am thirsty. He said, I am thirsty. We don't have to wonder why. John makes sure that we know exactly why Jesus said he was thirsty. Notice it doesn't say, and Jesus, being thirsty, said, I am thirsty. It says, Jesus, knowing that the end was near, that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I've got, to, I've got to talk about this just for a second because sometimes when we say, when we, when we hear Scripture be fulfilled, we don't think that, we don't think about it the way they thought about it. Um, when we think Scripture is fulfilled, we think, oh, they said it in the Old Testament and now it's happening in the New Testament. They predicted it. Some guy had a prophecy, he went into a trance and said, Oh, Jesus is going to die on a cross. And then he died on a cross and scripture was fulfilled. That's just, that's just not how they thought about it. Um, so if you can, just sort of wipe that part of your brain squeaky clean and let's start over. In uh, Jesus' day, there were some prestigious positions to be held in the rabbinical schools. I mean, if... If you wanted to be the best of the best of the best, the people who um, really understood Scripture and taught Scripture, then you needed to go follow a rabbi or just a teacher. Now, rabbis, if you wanted to become, if you wanted to be their disciple, you would go up to the rabbi and he would, you would say, "I want to follow you. Let me follow you." And the rabbi would quiz you to see if you're good enough if you have the chops to follow. 
Now, what would happen is that he would ask you a question about the, old, about the Torah or about the, the law, um, which when they said law, they meant Torah and Mishnah, which was the oral tradition of the law. He'd ask you a question, and you'd have to um, respond. And I say respond intentionally here because you don't answer the question. You guide the conversation with a new question. And if you and this rabbi can have a back and forth, if this rabbi believes that you mentally and cognitively understand Scripture properly, or law properly, if you have the right sorts of opinions and the right sorts of guiding or guidance in your upbringing, then the rabbi would let you in. He would say, yes, you can follow me. If you didn't, he would send you home. And it wasn't like a mean thing, but he would just say, you need to go be, you need to go apprentice with your father. Now, the, the two ways they phrase this, is if, if you had, um, if you didn't really make the cut and you really couldn't keep up with the conversation, they would say, and remember, this sounds more harsh than it is. Um, it wasn't as harsh as it sounds, but he would, they would say, you have abolished the law. That sounds pretty harsh, right? It wasn't. It was just to say, you haven't kept up. You don't have the proper understandings to follow me as a disciple. You have abolished the law. If you were good and had a clear understanding of Scripture, clear understanding of the law, he would say, you, my friend, have fulfilled the law. Fulfillment of the law meant correct understanding of the law until this man, this rabbi Jesus started walking around. When Jesus talked about fulfilling the law, it was, more, it was less about what he believed about Scripture and more about how Scripture affected his actions and his humanity. So Jesus, when he's fulfilling the law, he's riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem. Jesus, when he's fulfilling the law, he's, he's breaking bread with people who are going to, with a man who's going to betray him. For Jesus, when he's fulfilling the law, he's carrying his own cross. For Jesus, fulfilling the law, living out the word, he voices that he's thirsty. Now, what's really odd about this passage is that if, if, if any other rabbi was to fulfill the law, and he would say, he's going to say something so that he could fulfill the law, it would be a teaching about the law. But Jesus' fulfillment of the law was to point to a scripture that said, this is why I am living this out. Now, there are several scriptures, Psalm 22, Psalm 69, um, several scriptures in which you could talk about, uh, maybe he's pointing to these things. But which scripture he's pointing to is, Really of, of no need here. Just the fact that Jesus, whenever he, the way he understood Scripture or how he understood the Word of God or how he understood fulfilling the Word of God was not about having proper understanding of the law, which he did. Notice in, um, he uses his term in Matthew 5. He says, do not think 
that I have come, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is a, this is a very common thing for rabbis to say. He did have an appropriate understanding of the law, but for Jesus, he let the law not only affect his opinions, but his humanity, who he was, what he did, how he treated people. And his biggest contention with the people, with the rabbis and the teachers of the law of the day, was that they had a cognitive understanding of Scripture. They had a good opinion about the law, but it meant nothing in their everyday life. See, you may feel as though there is a difference between your humanity and Jesus' humanity, but it may be that you have only so far let let your understanding of the word, the story of God, you maybe only let that affect your opinion. What you think is correct and incorrect and accurate and inaccurate and um, too far out there to the right or to the left. If the word of God only affects your opinions, you are a very different human than Jesus. Very different. Because what I see in my Savior is that he didn't just let the scriptures that told about his thirst or told about him, uh, the Savior being thirsty, he just didn't let them sit and say, well, I guess I understand this, and no one else does. He let the Word of God affect what he did. He didn't, he, he wasn't content to let it affect his mind, but he, was, he desired to let it affect his actions. No one in this building is arguing that your actions can earn you salvation. But my argument is, sometimes when we feel the disconnect between Jesus, like maybe he doesn't understand us, which that's just a flat lie. He does understand. Or maybe I just will never be like him. Which isn't necessarily a lie. It could be true if you always, if you only always let the opinion or Jesus affect your opinions. Only let the word of God affect what you think about the word of God. I have known some people who have some very fantastic opinions about Scripture. And they cannot control themselves while driving. I've known men who are very fantastic Bible students and very horrible husbands. If the word of God does not affect your life, but only affects your opinions, you are a very different human than Jesus, and it is your fault, not
I do not want to be known as the preacher with the right opinions. Don't get me wrong, my opinions are right. I like, I like that I can say that and y'all know I'm joking. Or y'all think I'm joking. I mean, I don't want to be known as the preacher who's right. I want to be known as the preacher who loves people because Jesus loved him first. I don't want to be known as the church who's right. I want to be known as the church who loves other people because lo- Jesus loves us first. Je- when we get... When we see God, which uh, let me, I want to just acknowledge, I don't believe there's going to be a quiz period at the entrance to heaven. But he's never going to ask us, man, how right were you? How correct were you? Now, in that instance, you can't ever say, well, 100%, because Jesus is standing right there. You're not 100%. I was an A minus, B plus, maybe. Jesus will giggle. Because that's ridiculous. In the end, we just won't, we, we're not going to get the complete right opinions and the complete understandings of things. But I can love people unconditionally. That's something I can live up to. I think your goal needs not to be just a perfect, spot-on understanding of the Bible. Read your Bible. Find the story. Find the Jesus that it tells us about. And try to have a a good understanding of it. I told you all the story about the... the, um, the girl who was cutting my hair with scissors, and which is always weird when they say something ridiculous while doing that, so you have to keep a straight face so they don't stab you in the temple. It's one of the rules um, of barbershness. Um, but she said, hey, did you know Obama burnt the Constitution? What? Burn it. She's like, huh. Think that'd make the news or something. She said, no, they're covering it up. I said, well, obviously. Good good thing they told you. She said, you know, Revelation predicted it. Okay, okay, tap the brakes. I said, Revelation predicted it? Yeah, it's in Revelation. Where? I don't know, but I've been reading Revelation a lot, and when I get um, stuck and confused, I just Google it. Oh, (laughs) sounds like you've been reading a lot. Uh, Don't just go willy-nilly. Try to be responsible with your Bible study. I'm just going to Google it. (laughs) Uh, I want to keep talking about that, but I'm going to move on. Don't just, be, you can be, be responsible with your Bible study, but don't think that when you get to the end and you think, oh, well, I have a correct opinion, that you're done somehow, that you have fulfilled Scripture the way Jesus would fulfill Scripture. The way Jesus was a human is that he, 
He let God's word affect his being. He let God's word affect his doing. And he let God's word affect how he treated other people. What he said, what he did, how he lived, how he said what he said. I believe that if, if, you, if you start letting God and God's word and the person of Jesus and the Messiah Jesus affect your life more than your opinions, you will find that you and Jesus are not as different as you think. You can be like him. He believes you can be like him. Remember the scenario I painted earlier, uh, the, the, I told you about earlier, there was a, uh, about the disciple coming up to the rabbi and them asking questions and them having this kind of back and forth. Hard process. That's what makes Jesus just walking up to the shore and going, hey, you follow me. <laughs> That's the strangest thing in their day. And for when people would come up and say, I want to follow you, he would say, I can't sleep anywhere. Go home. And they would go, like he completely messed up the tradition. People were coming, applying to follow him. And he said, I don't have any place to lay my head. You probably need to go. People would say, I want to follow you, but my dad just died. And he'd say, well, let, let the dead bury the dead. Actually, he said, I need to bury my father. That's a completely different thing. I need to bury my father which in their day could have been like a year later. Um, after he'd sat in the tomb, they took the tomb out and remains, they buried him on the ground. He'd say, let the dead bury their dead. No quiz, no back and forth. Then he comes up on a tax collector collecting taxes and he's like, hey, you're going to follow me. You're my disciple. When we follow the rabbi, the rabbi believes we can follow him. The rabbi believes, Jesus believes we can do as he does. He believes in you. He believes that you can be the sort of human that he was. He believes that you can be the sort of person that he was. But I think for us to start that process, we are going to have to get over this idea that it is our opinions about the Bible that make us holy. It is not our opinions about the Bible that make us holy. It is following the King who is holy that makes us holy. And if we want to do that, he's going to have to affect more than just our opinions about doctrine about worship, he's going to have to affect more than just our opinions about, about politics and about um, government and about um, how to run church and do church and who and what can do when and where. He's going to have to affect more than just what's going on in our noggins. He's going to have to affect what's going on in our church, in our community, in our relationships, in our town, how we treat people we don't even know and how we treat people who can't give us anything back. I think you 
can be that kind of human. I think you can be the kind of human Jesus was. And I don't think you have to live feeling so disconnected from the person of Jesus. From, you don't have to feel disconnected from him. He understands you. And maybe the bigger surprise here is you can be like him. He believes you can. He wouldn't have called you to follow him if he didn't. Now you may be saying, I don't, mm -mm, that's not for me. I just can't do it. That's fine. I, I want you to acknowledge that that is a real easy way out. And if you're going to take the easy way out, then just acknowledge that that's what you're doing. But you may be thinking, I've never thought that he believed in me like this. I never thought that he could use me like he used Peter, like he used Paul. God can use me. All I need to do is let his word affect my actions instead of just my opinions. If God's word has only been affecting your opinions, I believe that's sin and you need to repent of it. And if his word hasn't affected your life, I think that's a, just an opportunity for you to do something fantastic that maybe you've never done before. Something that will be difficult, something that will be dangerous and scary at times, something that will make you um, change the way you spend your money, it will make you change the way you see the world, but it will be worth every second of the pain. you're willing to step in and take that life and take a run at that life and follow the king I doubt you're going to do it tomorrow have you ever started a diet tomorrow how's that work out today is the day to make the decisions that are important and this is an important decision. Are you going to let Jesus, and the word of God, affect your life and not just your opinions? If the answer is yes, I believe that you'll find that you and Jesus are more alike than you think. If you need anything this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing. <laughs> 